Hello and welcome to the Advisory Advantage podcast, where we talk about how to market, sell and deliver advisory to your business clients. I'm MC Carter, founder of Practice Paradox, and I'm together again with Richard Francis, founder of Spotlight Reporting. AMC. And it's our privilege today to interview and have a chat with Steph Hines, the head ninja at GrowthWise, who are an accounting firm in Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia. And today we're going to cover topics such as how does GrowthWise deliver the tin tax? What, what are the details around delivering advisory to not just some of their clients, but how to bake it in to, to all of their clients, how to get team engagement, how to train the team, and how to embed education of your business clients into your offering. So my first question for you, Steph, is just an upstream why before the how of why are you so passionate and what lights your fire about being one of these, dare I say, proactive, um, but, you know, strategic future-focused accounting firms? Like what got you into it in the first place? I guess my career started when I was 18 in accounting. I had a traineeship and, you know, doing the boring stuff of let's type in some information into a system and add it all up. And business always intrigued me though. So I was always trying to look at, okay, why is this client a little bit different than the previous client that I've been working on? And, you know, why are some people doing so much better than what other people are in business? What makes them different? Why are they, you know, being able to sell more? Why are they being able to make so much more profit? So I kind of at an early age developed this interest in asking the question, why? And I've always then had this intriguing thing of, okay, well, what's actually happening with this person and why are these things going on? And to me, this is fun, right? So I don't think of what I do in a day as necessarily going to work and doing work, but actually find it fun to be able to drill down into a business and ask why someone's doing well and dig that out from a numbers perspective at the differences between what businesses are doing, what they're doing well and what they're doing poorly. And there's no better feeling than being able to have that conversation with a client and see them go from struggling themselves in business to know what's working and what not and, and getting to work with someone over you know, three or four years and seeing them come out the other end where, you know, they've got heaps more time or they're making a bucket load more profit or they're just happier in business or they're being able to employ people, which has made them happier in being able to grow their business. So for me, the interest comes from, it's my passion to see people succeed and to see people do what they're wanting to do in business. And the best way that I know how to do that is by diving into their business from a numbers perspective and from a practical point of view of what they're doing and really helping them progress from whatever they're doing today to whatever they want to be doing in the future. Beautiful. Well, the passion oozes from you. <clears throat> so you were fascinated in the first place. Why do some businesses succeed and why don't others? Fueling that enthusiasm ongoing is just seeing the difference it makes to your clients. Just to paraphrase what you said there. Beautiful. There's two, there's two things Steph's already raised that are really intriguing for me because they are atypical and they are having a proactive thirst for knowledge about clients' businesses. So you said you're hungry to find out how to help them succeed, whereas I feel far too many accountants are hungry to get that tax return off their list and off you know the APO off their back. Um, but you're also nosy. You're asking questions. You're probing your... And I can, uh, you know, having known you for, for um, as long as MC, I kind of, <laughs> I know that, that that's a trait you have. And it's a wonderful trait, and we'll talk gossip later because of that trait. Um, but, you know, today our, our session's going to roll up your sleeves with Steph Hines. How, how do you imbue your fellow accountants, because it's fine for you to do that, but how do you imbue not only the growth-wise accountants you have, but if, if you're running an accounting practice, you're, you're listening to this podcast, how do you get your team proactive and hungry and asking the right questions? I actually think that's the easy part. And it just comes from asking your team the exact same questions that you would normally ask yourself about a client. So asking the team, why do you actually think this client is doing well? Or why do you think this client's doing badly? Or where do you think this client can improve? Or what do you think this client is struggling with? And yeah. it all starts from the leader of you know, the team or the organisation or just someone in your business 
sitting down and taking the time to ask those questions with other people in your team. And that same thing can be said in terms of asking the client, right? And having that wanting to actually know what's going on with somebody, wanting to know where their issues are, what their problems are, and just being generally wanting to be involved in, in, I guess, their business and life. And look, I'll never say that compliance is dead and I'll never say that tax is a waste of time. No, I, I, I won't. Everyone likes to say tax, right? I love it just as much as the, the next person. But I also really understand that tax is one component of an accountant's job. We've all been to uni. We've all been trained at being able to look at people's figures and being able to drill down into what's working, what's not. And we've all been trained to analyse. We just Tax was just one or two subjects at uni when you think about it in the, in the big scheme of training, we just need to bring that back and be inquisitive and help each other ask that question about why. But, but we haven't been trained to provide insight. Um, you're implying that this is trainable by just really starting with your, your team and asking them lots of questions. Um, so I get that, but... Are you just hiring the kind of people who already want to know what business owners are doing, what underlies their success? You know, is it, is it a hiring thing or a training thing or a bit of both? I actually think it's a bit of both. So as part of our hiring process, we actually have a new person starting today, which is very exciting for me. But as part of our hiring process, it's making sure that we're dealing with people who are inquisitive. So one of my favourite questions to ask in an interview is, what podcasts do people listen to? What books do they read? What blog posts do they read? What email newsletters do they subscribe to? And that one simple question just gives me a really, really good understanding of is this person interested in other things in life or are they just a person who goes home and watches Netflix? And nothing wrong with Netflix, but we want to hire people who love learning and who are going to love sharing that learning. And it's how I make my hiring decisions. One question is how we make our hiring decisions. But that only gives you so much. That only gives you an inquisitive nature to want to ask questions. In being able to deliver something, you then need to be able to take it to the next level. How do you ask questions of clients? How do you analyse something and show a client in really simple terms what's actually going on? And that's the part that is 100% trainable. Uh, I would, I'd love for someone to try and argue with me that it's not trainable. This is something that I'm very passionate about, <laughs> but totally trainable. So I'm not going to argue with you. I actually agree. But what I think our listeners would love to know um, is okay. They've got an, they've got they've got an hour in the calendar this Friday for training. They've just heard what you've said. How do I train my board staff sitting in their little Hessian cubicles to be what you've been describing? Very simple. Pick a client. Pick yourself. Pick any client whatsoever, and sit in a room all together and say, okay, let's drill down and have a look at what this client is doing well, what this client is doing poorly, where you would tell this client to improve, how this client compares to maybe somebody else in a similar industry, how does this client compare to benchmarks that you can grab from, you know, the ATO or wherever else you want to, and start by just sitting down and asking a bunch of questions and together as a group starting to think and learn about the client more than just do I have these things allocated in the right spots and therefore how much tax does this person have to pay? And that simple, it's a repeatable process. You can't just do this once and all of a sudden, whoa, I've got amazing advisors. You have to, you have to kind of carve out, you know, is this a weekly process? What's Nirvana? To get the best out of your team and to get them into a rhythm and a routine, this is a weekly process, but it doesn't need to be any more than an hour. One hour per week where you can sit down and have these standard questions, you know, get a bottle of wine or gin and some cheese and, and have some fun with this or, you know, do it over lunch. But 
you have to do this on a regular basis. And when you do, if you've got the right people working for you, the mm. outcome is amazing because they are the ones then who are looking at all of this stuff, even when they're doing a baths. Mm. So it's transferable, even though you're using one business as the case study, they're learning these questioning frameworks and, and where to look and prod and poke to look for opportunities for clients. Definitely. And look, I think people overcomplicate advisory massively. You don't need to know absolutely everything to do with psychology around human beings and, you know, everything to do with that industry for a client. You just need to be able to ask really good questions and to be able to show clients where they're up to. And that just starts with being able to articulate and have those conversations internally. So in addition to this weekly, sorry, Richard, uh, the weekly session, which I love, what else do you do? Do you, do you document or capture the learnings and frameworks that come out of that into any sort of knowledge management system? What, what other training systems and tools do you have in place, Steph? So we have a Slack and a learning channel in Slack and it's compulsory for every single person in our team to write in the learning channel every day, otherwise you're fired. And that sounds really harsh, <laughs> but if you're trying to encourage learning and questioning and you're trying to encourage everyone in the team to share the things that they're picking up, this is the only way to do it. Put in place something simple, capture things, allow people to read it, allow people to interact. And for me, that works exceptionally well. We have a very young team, but it does work really well in that you're just encouraging people to think and therefore encouraging people to share. So that was my, my first big thing. But the other thing that we try and look at is how do we put better notes about the things that we're learning or we're drilling down or we're trying to get our clients to do? How do we get those notes somewhere where every single time we pick up something to do for this client, it's there and it's somewhere that we can have a look at something and and for us that's one of the reasons why we chose to use carbon as our workflow and client management system because we can put those notes in so when we're sat there on a friday afternoon in the boardroom and we're you know discussing about this client those notes then go back against that client to go okay next time we're having a conversation or next monthly reports we're sending out let's talk to them about these five things let's build a report in, in Spotlight that actually shows the fact that our material costs are too high in relation to sales or that they're increasing or, you know, it's great that they're decreasing. And, and let's start that as a conversation. But for us, it's about how do we capture that? We capture that against the client and then, more importantly, sharing. Beautiful. Nice. I think the learning aspect is, again, another thing that is criminally underinvested in in our industry and even I could when you said it's only an hour a week I could imagine half of our listeners kind of going oh an hour that's not chargeable for other stuff <laughs> um, hugely important uh, one of the interesting challenges um, I think accountants have with advisory is where to start and kind of what structure to have around it so you've you've given a bit of a free form example of sit down role play come up with some ideas and suggestions get the creative juices flowing and that stuff we can share with the client. What structure have you put around that though? You know, what if I come to you as a as a customer, what do I get apart from nosy inquisitive accountants? <laughs> so for us we have a couple of different packages for our clients and that is they're normally getting monthly reporting from us or they're getting yep. quarterly reporting. And we, of course, use Spotlight, have done for, oh, gosh, I can't even remember how many years it is now. We love it so much, like, never changing. Um, but we use that as our kind of uh, catalyst for start of a discussion and, I guess, catalyst for giving them and showing them something every month. So do you bake that in, Steph? And by that I mean, is it just standard that your clients get management reports and dashboards done through Spotlight or is it something that clients on one package get and others don't? How do no, you go about it? 
No, it's got to be compulsory, right? We do not even give our clients a set of financial statements at the end of the year. Sure, they sign off on them and that's fine. We give our clients a spotlight report because that's what makes sense to them. Something that's visual, something that they can look at, they can see their graphs as a comparison. We can throw budgets and targets in there. And what that does is it helps anyone who's having those discussions with a client have those discussions based on data and information that they can easily go through with the client at the same time. So I still understand that people are accountants and, you know, it doesn't necessarily come naturally to sit down and start asking a bucket load of questions. But when you put a framework around something and you build it into your service set and you build it into your processes, it's so much easier. And we've kind of taken the freeform learning that we do as a group and said, how do you put a little bit more structure around that learning as well? And how do you put a bit more structure around the delivery of that service later? And we did a, a simple um, little thing to say, okay, every single month, let's pick out three things that the client did really well. It doesn't have to be three, but at least two, two to three things that the client did really well. Let's pick out three things that the client really needs to work on for the next month or the next quarter, let's have a think about um, where the real goals and targets need to be for that client and let's see if we can work backwards for that. But mm. the simple framework of what three things did they do great, what three things didn't they do so great, then gives you a starting point to say, okay, here's our agenda. And all of that has to be rolled into the services that you provide. If it's not, you then come back to having to sell this as an add-on as opposed mm. to it just being exactly what you do that's you know we recommend just bake it in it's just what we do this is how it works if you want to be a client so mm. you mentioned agenda and i was you know trying to visualize what does the delivery of that advice look like beyond the reports and the commentary do you meet face to face or is it over the web is it over the phone how often what's it look like so for us, again, it's monthly or quarterly, and we don't distinguish between whether it's face-to-face -face or whether it's online using Zoom, as an example, because some of our clients are close to us and some of our clients are very far away, <laughs> which means it's not practical to see each other uh, in, in the same room, in the same city. I have one caveat, though, and that's that if we're talking about a client's business and we're going through things that are really good and going through things that are not so good and that we want to put in place as a, an action list to work on, I have to be able to see people, which is mm. why we prefer to use Zoom because then you can see if somebody's getting it or you can see if their eyes are glazing over or you can see if they're like, what is this woman on about? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, those non-verbals, which are about two-thirds of communication. Definitely. So for us, it's got to be visual. I can't, uh, I personally can't do advisory stuff over the phone, answer general questions, but we like it to be visual. And again, it's just baking that into, is it monthly? Is it quarterly? Either or, and that's it. And what level of seniority in the firm delivers these um, meetings, conversations, and typically how long are they? I'm just putting myself in the place of someone listening to us right now and thinking, all right, I've got this many advisory staff that are capable of running these meetings. You know, I've got X capacity. How many clients could we do this with? So for us, we have literally anyone who's basically had at least two to three years worth of training who can run these meetings. And generally that's to make sure that they're comfortable but we break it up into two sections. So before anyone, um, before we let anybody loose, as an example, in having to deliver this to a client, we make them do all the prep work, which is why the agenda is really important, right? Because in that training from a very structured component, if I can say to the one of the guys here, you prep everything for me, you pull out what you think has been really good, what's been really bad, you pull out what you want them to be working on as their action list, that's the first step before you're throwing somebody in front of a client. But that's kind of what you think about as all of the pre-work. So they've done the analysis, they've done all of the prep, they've got everything ready. So from that component, they're comfortable and good and ready to go. And, and we 
we're nice. I don't like to, you know, just shove somebody in front of a client and say, sink or swim. Uh, we at least give them some of that prep work ongoing. But then if they've had enough of that prep work for a couple of years, uh, just in terms of they've had enough experience, they're not, you know, straight out of school, as an example, um, they're good and ready to go. And some people we find absolutely love it. Some people love the preparation work more than the physical appointment. And again, that's completely fine, just depending on what needs to happen. And oftentimes the preparation work is just as important, if not more important than the conversation with the client. And that can actually take more time than what the hour kind of or hour and a half maximum appointment that you would have with the client as well. So we actually think of every single person in our team as part of the advisory team, right? We want even our bookkeepers, if they're going through doing something, to be thinking about those, how can that client improve? What other information do they need to see? Where else could they be doing those improvements? And when you, when you build that into just a general everyday standard process, you end up going into any appointment with a client with so much more raw data and so much more understanding and information that makes the physical in front of each other quite easy so for us it's everyone is involved it's the prep is just as important as the meeting the follow-up is just as important as the prep and the meeting but we don't kind of say no you can't do something yes you can do something it's encouraged that everyone's part of this process man that's a simple but profound point yeah it's interesting you've kind of democratized advisory across the firm and i think you know lots of people listening to this will will see and hear how much you've embedded advisory just as part of what GrowthWise does. But the question we always get asked is, yeah, but are you monetizing it? So you've talked about your packages, and I, I've got views on packages. Um, how successfully have you monetized advisory, i.e. are you value-based pricing? Um, are you, are you, is there a premium into what you do? Uh, and I think in answering that, can you also just tackle anything with, which maybe you've learnt the hard way or not done that well? Yeah. Oh, yes. The whole pricing thing. Okay, so I'll let, I'll let you all in on a secret. When, <laughs> when we did pricing, <laughs> I literally went, um, I don't really know how to value price. I kind of know how to fix price. I kind of know how long things take me. I know what I want to be able to do with a client. Let's just guess and we'll see how we go. And that is literally how we priced yeah. services to begin with i'm sure they were so wrong it's not funny but it gave us a base it's called testing That's i think it's more common than you think i think we all make it up to start with <laughs> <laughs> and so as i went through what one of the things that i realized was we probably needed more tiers to our packages because originally i just thought there was going to be like the, the hardcore guys and the ill plater guys right it was just the newbies and the people who knew what they were doing. And that is literally how I did our pricing. And what I realised was we went from two to four. So we needed more in the middle and we needed more at the other end because clients wanted more. And to really answer your question, the key that I've learned is each year ask clients what else they need help with. So we've actually had a lot of clients who've grown dramatically. And if we kept our pricing the same, we would have been delivering services that weren't what the client needed. Yeah. So sure, we have compliance packages and there's a set fee and we don't really care because it's stuff we'll have to do anyway. We do it great. It's really important to get that right and save tax. But then we have these kind of four tiers of compliance and, uh, four tiers of advisory work on top of that. And we just slot people in based on sophistication of the business owner, which is very important for us. And also the, the size or growth size of the business, how quickly they're going to grow. We certainly make money out of it. It's a massive component of what we do as a yep. business. <laughs> Therefore, if you're we're not in the... Not, you're not on pot noodles. 
Still. When we're not we're not on pot noodles. I've I've got some nice shoes in my cabinet. We're so so what, what's a juicy client look like for growth wise? I'm going to get straight to the personal questions because when I've talked about having thirty forty thousand dollar clients, I think people roll their eyes. What's a juicy advisory client for growth wise? So our top client at the moment pays us seventy eight thousand dollars a year. Who? Who you? Now, can I tell you though that? Six years ago, I think our top client was paying us about $9,000 a year. Yeah, that's not quite so sexy. <laughs> that would be that, interestingly, though, because uh, you know, I ask these personal questions of Spotlight subscribing firms, and often they're bigger clients. They go, Oh, look, oh, you'd be so proud of me. I've got $12,000 a year out of that person. And they're doing forecasts and mentoring and all of that. <clears throat> so it sounds like you have got on top of pricing which is really, really good. What's something, though, I mean, obviously you kind of put the finger out the window like we all did when we started our practices. What did you learn on the way? I mean, we've added some packages, but were there gaps in your armory? You know, what, what were the things you guys needed to learn or add to be compelling for those businesses as they grew? So, first of all, one of the big mistakes we made was giving everything away for free. And I would say, as a human being, that's probably the worst trait that I have. <laughs> I get too excited about the opportunity to do something without thinking about the value that you're adding. And I've learned that the hard way along the years and I still will continue to learn that always, I think. Um, it's just the nature of my personality for what I'd prefer to do. But the, the key component and the, the shift in my mind for that is people don't value something when you're giving it to them for free. They value it more when they understand that there's time, effort and money involved and they're actually going to commit more to doing what they need to do if they're physically paying you for a service and you're doing something for them at that same time. So can I pause you there for a second <clears throat> um, for the simple reason that I know there will be hundreds of accountants listening to this and I know some of you personally who are doing exactly that, giving away the kitchen sink for free and wondering why they're on pot noodles. So, look, Steph learned this the hard way, guys. We have got to, as a profession, stop giving away our expertise and experience for free because people don't appreciate us doing that. Sorry, back to you, Steph. 100% agree with that. And I think it shows... It, the other thing that I learned is if you're doing that and you're giving it away for free, your team won't appreciate how important that service is and how much you really want this to be happening in your business. And when you package it in and when it's a big component of your fees for the year and when you can show that, the team will start to get behind that and start to get excited about this is really what we do at GrowthWise as an example. This is exciting. This is something that I want to be a part of. So that's very large learning for me and I've still got a long way to go, but I've got a lot of progress in the last few years. Um, to come back to you though, we've started to do a lot more really in-depth CFO services for our clients. We have a lot more bookkeeping work that we're doing for our clients as well and for us we don't necessarily classify it as bookkeeping it's kind of the the very base of cfo so really controlling the client's payables and really controlling the client's money and cash flow but also building into that at the same time how do we automate as much of our clients lives as we can and more importantly, how do we get the base data that we need to allow us to do better advisory all the time? And what we've done is we just keep adding these extra services on every single year based on the problems that our clients have. And when you just ask them a question, they'll tell you what problems they have. And therefore, the, the services that we do are simply solving those clients' problems and we just keep adding and adding and adding and therefore we keep on billing them more and more and more. You've you never had any um, issue with that pricing and re-engaging around it? So I'm hearing that little voice inside people's heads listening going, how do you price it? How do you sell it? How do you formalise the engagement? So we use Practice Ignition, absolutely love it, as our tool for helping in this engagement process. But the biggest thing is the explanation that happens beforehand. So we rolled out My Prosperity to clients um, last year and 
you can't just roll out a brand new service and pop it in a proposal and go, yay, everyone's going to sign up and think that, <laughs> that it's amazing. So we kind of have a couple of step process. We always tell our clients as an introduction, uh, blanket out to everybody, and we normally do this via email, uh, what, why we're doing something new. So, hey, guys, we think this is really important to be able to track all of your personal stuff and bring that back into why you're creating your actual business goals and your business decisions that you're making. We have a fantastic tool that is going to help us doing this, but we also want to be able to provide a service on top of that that helps guide you and show you what where your whole picture as a person is up to and allows us to bring that back into your business for making those decisions and really pushing you to whatever limit you want to be pushed to and not. And we do that as a blanket introduction. That was just one example with my prosperity. Uh, then for the clients we want to roll that out to, it's a simple phone call or it's a simple conversation when you're dealing with these people monthly or quarterly anyway, to say, hey, guys, do you know we could have been doing this? So we rolled out my prosperity by saying to everybody, it's tax planning time, guys. We need all of the deductions that you've forgotten to pay for through your business that you've done on your personal credit card or that you've done on your whatever else it is. And you know what? This is a pain in the backside. Next year, do you want us to make sure that you don't have to go through this again? And that simplistic... This is part of solving a problem for you is how I sell yeah. everything and it's very easy to sell it but you can't just shove something in a proposal and have an assumption that someone's going to buy it. They need to know why they're buying it and what benefit is for them and then generally they're fine to actually press the okay button on that. So I don't want to use any four-letter words again but... Um you've communicated the value of it to them. You've actually done some selling. Oops. But you never think that you're selling because you were just explaining it. What's in it for them? Why, why hand on heart, you think it's a good idea for them? <coughs> yeah. And um, I think on that note, something that helps me, because I'm not a very good salesperson, but something that helps me is if I need to sell anything, I do it. So before we rolled out my prosperity, I implemented it for me and I looked at it and I understood what was going on. You know, we use Spotlight for our own business every single month without fail. Absolutely love it. So any of this stuff that we're rolling out to our actual clients, the way that my brain works is we do it internally, we do it for growth wise, and then we roll it out for clients, which means it's much easier for me to, <clears throat> to be able to explain value. Mm. And you not only get the product knowledge from that, like you understand it back to front, but you've got the belief, you know, the intrinsic confidence in the offering. What I really liked um, from what you just said, well, two things. One was really, you know, picking up the phone and just explaining the new service offering in a kind of a non-threatening conversational way. And um, I mean, MC knows better than any of us, you know, that accountants can demonize and lose sleep over the selling caper. And it's not really around selling at all. It's asking questions and being inquisitive and being proactive. So I think anyone listening to this, just, you know, reiterating what Steph said, just pick up the phone if there's something new. You know, the number of times we've had people subscribe to Spotlight and they put it once in a newsletter and expected it to sell itself and then they come back to us and say, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, you know, it was quite painful. The second thing that really resonated for me, Steph, was this whole of life view. And this is certainly something... I loved doing when I was um, still in practice and um, small plug for our My Prosperity integration and the fact that we've got Wealth Reporting launching next month in Spotlight, which will allow wonderful businesses like GrowthWise to not, not only use the My Prosperity engine, but to bring that into Spotlight and go, ta-da, here's your business, but here's your life. Perfect. Here's your balance sheet for the family. Because one thing I had on really early on is the more inquisitive and nosy I got, the more that the personal and financial stuff outside of the business accounts were actually the most compelling things to talk about. Um, I still find, I'm just I'm curious actually for both of you to answer this question, how do you find, because I still struggle to convince accountants that we have the right to ask any questions about anything um, to do with that family group. You know, they, they kind of see themselves as business, mm -hmm. whereas you obviously haven't had that, Steph, um, obviously MC part of marketing and selling great advisory is that we're going to be your advisor whole of life. 
Um, you know, how do we me, this? Well, for me, it comes down to it started with a problem, right? I had a client that many years ago probably should have put them into liquidation and we worked really hard with them for three years, pulled them out, put them in a very, very different situation, but he worked really hard over those three years. So he ran really hard to get back to kind mm. of this position. And for the next year he kind of plotted along and I thought, you know, that's fine, let's give him some space, let's give him some breathing room. And the next year the same thing started to happen. And I had to ask myself, how does this person go from being one of the most motivated clients that we had in improving their business and really being engaged in everything that was going on to not not caring, but to just being really flat? And I asked. <laughs> and surprise, surprise, he said to me, well, I had this target and it was such an important target and then I reached it and I didn't have another target. So not having another target that was big other than, you know, let's get to this profitability stage and let's keep these things under control, he said, I just haven't felt like I've had this burning thing to chase after. Mm -hmm. So I literally sat down and asked him a couple of questions and he said to me, look, I really want to be able to um, buy another house and I really want to be able to set up for retirement in that, you know, I've got something for the kids and yep. I'd like to be able to give this business to the kids and therefore wouldn't it be amazing if they had a place that they could run this business out of? And so we just had this discussion mm -hmm. and out of this discussion he had a 100 things that he wanted to do and I said to him, look, go home, have a beer, come back to me and tell me what are the three really, really key crucial things that you want to do over the next couple of years? And guess what? None of them had anything to do with the business. But the business was the thing that was going to generate him the cash flow to allow him to do those things. And if we don't ask the questions, we're, we're just, we're missing, it's like missing every second chapter in a book, isn't it? It really it's is. a common theme, isn't there, Richard, with our interviews? Ask, 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 ask your clients, ask your team, ask, ask, ask. Um, to answer that question, Richard, and that's a great example, Steph, is with, and by the way, I should just first clarify, are we talking here about accountants getting into financial planning or financial advisory formally? No, we're not, not necessarily. We're just talking about helping them have that, you know, that light on the horizon that they're working towards and having that greater context and conversations with them that, well, frankly, you know, your business is a means to an end, isn't it? It's not an end in and of itself. So um, what we do, Richard, in helping firms do this is to come up with, uh, we call it a ways we work with you diagram. I think we spoke about that with um, Matt Sharwood and we're going to speak with um, Paul Sweeney about this in our next episode. But rather than talking to them about your products and your packages, you actually come up with a diagram that effectively, in a very visual way, just shows them the stepping stones of here's what we're going to help you do. And part of it can be things like, you know, getting your numbers right, understanding your numbers, um, improving your business. But there needs to be a piece that is about their family, their personal life outside of the business. Because, yes, that's what they really want to talk that about. It must always be the North Star, won't it? Yeah. And, um, yeah. Well, there's a skill too. It's a high gradient conversation to have. So people need to be ready for the fact that, you know, why we're doing what we're doing to help you improve your business is to actually give you the family life, personal life that you want. So then you've got permission to go there. And Matt Charwood does it really well where he says, look, you know, I've seen this so many times over the years. Someone can be head down, bum up in a business for decades, paying your staff, paying your suppliers, paying your tax, and the, the money goes from this hand to that hand and then out the window. What's the point of that? Our goal is to make sure that every year your family's net worth grows and that you've got a system in place to sustainably harvest the cash flow, the profit, so that your family gets ahead. And he says people practically hug it's, him. It's, it's super powerful advisory, isn't it? And I think, you know, we, we have this fear of being a financial planner or whatever, and we're not saying that at all. We're just saying no. ask questions, um, take or, or ask the permission to talk whole of life. And we're not, mm. not foisting investment products on people or anything, but if we're... No talking and focusing on the business, we're never, never going to be as good as advisors as we can be. No, it's that motivation for what uh, I, I try and bring it back to 
when it's a hard day at work, right, and something's happened and you're like, oh, why am I doing this? Which goes through every single business owner's mind at some point in time. If we've had that conversation and we're building that into the plan in terms of why are we actually doing this? What is the motivator? What are we trying to do as a family or as a human? It's much easier than going, oh, look, I set a, a income sales target as $3 million for the year. Yay. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. And it's having those conversations. And for me, I just think about it as caring about someone. Absolutely. And we've all had enough experience, haven't we, of those clients <coughs> or clients we've inherited who, who come in with the regrets, you know, the trail of regrets behind them of not having seen their kids grow up and all of that. And I certainly remember one of my early um, learnings actually being within a large accounting firm was seeing some of the partners skipping key events in their family or kids' lives to be at that all-important board meeting. Or, um, and, I, and I think we've all got ex experiences like that. So I think if, we, if we're going to be the advisors we need to be, we need to be inquisitive as, as Steph's team are at, at GrowthWise, um, but asking all the right questions a, a, across um, the whole journey. Otherwise, we're going to miss a trick. And, you know, with selling before, to, to me, we teach selling is just helping. Marketing is just educating. But on that thing about education, Steph, again, I can see you up the back of our second masterclass. It was down at Surface Paradise um, on the Gold Coast. And I was on stage and I said, look, yeah, sure, it's one thing to build a client base, but the level above that is to build a community where people have more in common than they're just a client of the firm and to get them together, teach them. Tell us about your education piece and your learnings over time. Um, comes back a little bit before how you said you needed those additional incremental packages in the middle and the difference between people that have come with you as beginners or L-platers, as you call them, and are now black ops versus the ones that came to you as black ops? So for me, I'm very passionate about education. In case for those of you who don't know me, <laughs> very passionate about this education. And uh, one of my many learnings was that the more educated a business owner is, and not did they go to university, but more educated in terms of their business, what it means, what things are like, systems, tools, concepts that they can use, the more educated they are, the better businesses they build, always. So we set about creating what we classify as our L-Platers program. So it's Business 101, right? That's all it is. It's, it's nothing phenomenal. It's just Business 101 that we could teach, uh, we thought, people with less than five years' experience in business. And for me, uh, that was exciting. But the biggest learning from that was... <laughs> I learned that our clients like to go through this process together. And when they understood that there were other people who had the same issues as them or whatever it might be, uh, they actually felt much more comfortable to have discussions, to open up, to ask better questions, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, the learning was bringing your clients together, allowing them to understand that they're not alone in this process actually gave us better clients to work with in the end. So we pick up clients all the time and some of them have been in business for many, many years. So L-platers kind of sounds a bit weird for them to go through. They're not a brand new business. They don't, shouldn't need Business 101. But what we found over the years is people who've gone through that process and gone through that formal education actually pick things up, run with things, are more structured in what they're trying to build and generally have better results than those who hadn't gone through that initial education. So we've then had to kind of reverse that and say it doesn't matter how many years you've been in business, we've got this program and we've got this education tool that can actually help structure this for you so that you really can increase what you're doing in business. And, um, you know, when I originally wrote this program, I was like, oh, it's just for brand new startups and that's it. And boy, was I very wrong. <laughs> but again, that's just another learning along the way that the more you can educate clients and the more you can show them, the more interested they're going to be in your help, the more engaged they're going to be in their own businesses and the more you can do with them. And like the advisory, you don't hope to sell them these educational courses, am I right? You bake it into the offering. 
It's all included. Uh, it'll be hard, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what was that, Richard? Yeah. That's another USP for GrowthWise because I think a lot of accounting firms talk about it. Um, and, you know, some of the bigger firms have their private clubs and all this kind of thing. But if it's just standard and baked in, um, <clears throat> you're already basically morphing your title from accountant to advisor, I would have thought. Absolutely. I remember, Steph, you told a story once about you signed up a new client and uh, that went for that, you know, your top package. And at the end of the meeting, you went, oh, by the way, I forgot to ask. How did you first come across us? And she had to think about it. She went, oh, yeah, I remember reading a, a blog post about yours about how the number one asset for a small business is data. And it really stayed with me because I thought, oh, I thought an accountant would be talking about cash or bricks and mortar or plant and equipment. And you opened my mind up to this whole thing about cloud and apps. And that shows the power from marketing perspective of education, but it's giving you better clients. Steph, what does that education look like? Is it workshops? Is it webinars? Is it learning management system delivered? over the web? It's actually all three. So l Platers for us, as an example, is run via a learning management system. We use a program called Thinkific. Um, originally, I used to deliver everything in person. So it was once a month, you come into the office as a group and it was delivered by me to 10 businesses, basically. And that's very unscalable. And it also means that clients have to commit to that every single month. And it only gave us one point in a month to deliver things. So I rebuilt it, packaged it out that it goes on um, basically the learning management program, which means people can do it in their own time at their own pace. And this is really important because I've had some people stuck on L-Platers for two years, but they're going over that content so much and getting so much out of it that they're really happy for that. So learning management system, um, which is a combination of articles that are interesting to read, some books that we would recommend, concepts and tools that I've put together that I deliver via like this, a Zoom or a podcast. Um, but we also do events together. So it's this combination of people getting to learn on their own people getting to ask questions in a forum, but also being able to come together in a group and do some workshops. And what we found is that then means we're bringing our clients together often, they're getting to know each other, they're getting to understand that they're really not alone in business and that people have the same questions. And it helps us build that community around our client base. And we found combination, perfect. And how often do you do these workshops? And is it always you guys presenting or do you bring in third parties? So we always present because at the end of the day for these workshops, it's generally only a little bit of a concept and then it's really working through their businesses together as a group and having that social interaction for the problems that people are having. Uh, but we do three a year. So I found that three a year works perfectly, basically one a quarter. We do run some other events as well, um, which gets them back together during the year. But this is just, uh, this structured program stuff is just three in a year. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, that structure, Steph. So I think we're, uh, our time has come to, to wrap this conversation. It's been incredibly valuable as usual with you, Steph, and practical tips in there. I think um, just to round off for each of us with the take-homes, again, the whole thing about being curious, asking questions, and caring enough to do advise you in the first place and not hope that your clients take you up on it. Don't you know put some sort of report in with the financials and hope it, it triggers a conversation to just make it part of your DNA and it's the standard way that you work with clients. So that was the main take-home for me. You, one, Rich? One thing I've taken away, actually, I, I've got a chapter on my, my Transform book about humans to advisory, but what I really love is how Steph's reiterated that all of your humans to advisory, and that's something so many accountants struggle with. I, I struggled with back in the day because, you, you know, you're the alpha uh, and you think you're the font of all wonderful knowledge and advice. So I really love how you've democratised the whole process and everyone in growth wise is invested in making sure customers have great outcomes. And if, if accountants just take that from today's podcast, they'll take something really valuable. Perfect. I think for me, the exciting thing as an accountant 
is that we get to make a massive difference in our clients' lives and we get to make that difference with the things that we do normally because we're looking, should be looking at what a client's doing and be interested in what they're doing anyway. And often with all of the clients or all the accountants that I speak to, they kind of have this blocker about how do I start? And for me, my piece of advice is start with your own business, do a diagnostic on yourself, run a spotlight report for yourself, go through the motions of being on the other side of the table and and run that role play so that you can be comfortable with what your agenda looks like, so that you can be comfortable with the preparation, with the follow-up and everything else that you need to do. And then my advice is simply just pick two clients, pick your two friendliest clients and turn around and say, look, I want to have a conversation with you We really think we can help your business a hell of a lot more than what we've been doing at the moment. But this is a new service for us, so there might be some teething issues. Can we try for the next three months having monthly meetings, having monthly catch-ups, us being able to give you some really good advice on what's gone right, what's gone wrong, and can we sit down and set some goals and some action plan and we'll try it for three months and see how things are going. And it's just taking that first step. Because as soon as you've taken that first step or that first leap, everything else will actually fall into place. Being able to sell it, being able to price it, being able to get the team to deliver it all comes from you just doing the first baby step and that's getting it out to a couple of clients. So I'd like to end the podcast with challenging everyone who's wanting to do more in this space, just go pick two clients, commit to that see how it goes, learn, reflect what's good, what's bad, and then pick the next five to roll it out to. Then the next five, then the next five. That is a wonderful challenge, um, Steph, and uh, may everyone who's listening to the podcast take that on. Maybe MC in the next podcast will have to ask for a show of hands. Uh, I think that deserves a hashtag of sorts. See people who are going to take you up on it. It's a, it's a just do it, isn't it? But unfortunately, that's been taken. <laughs> um, Steph, as ever, w- uh, wonderful time talking to you. Lots of really great practical advice. I feel like we rolled the sleeves up and, and um, got into the how-to, which I think is so important uh, in this uh, you know this journey towards advisory that we want the whole profession to take. So a huge thanks from me. Um, a huge thanks to MC as partner in crime as ever. Uh, And I think we'll sign off there and just say, we hope to see you around at all the different conferences. Uh, If you do see Steph, grab her, look after her. She's a treasure in the accounting industry. Uh, And we'll talk again soon. And we're going to be back really uh, promptly with our next Advisory Advantage podcast. So thanks again, Steph and MC.